Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, one of the most significant markers in the Christian calendar. But when we consider Pentecost in the evangelical church, and especially those churches who would maybe class themselves as, as charismatic, perhaps we're inclined to major on the what of Pentecost rather than the why. You see, the what of Pentecost concentrates on, on the Acts 2 moment, and it is a beautiful moment in the church's history. But that can lead us to maybe build a picture of what a, a significant outpouring of the Spirit might look like here in our midst, and then from that, either strive to create that picture or, or do all we can to avoid it. You see, some people get really excited about this idea of the, the outpouring of the Spirit. Some maybe are, are in that middle ground of being curious, and maybe some are, are absolutely terrified of that. But rather than focus and major on the what of Pentecost, what if we focused more fully on the why? Why did God determine that the Spirit must be sent? Why did God determine that the people of God needed the Spirit in order for the church to properly function and actually to flourish? Well, today we're going to revisit these questions. See, these questions invite us to lift our eyes up and off of the what happened in the upper room in Acts 2, and, and consider and remember why God determined it was necessary that he come and that he come in that way. This helps us to, to see the bigger and the fuller picture of the purpose of the Spirit. To remind us that he is more than the gifts and more than the fruit. And, and what's more, by considering why God determined that we need the Spirit, it helps us to recognise that he's actually already significantly at work in our midst. He's already doing mighty deeds in us and, and amongst us and even out in the community, preparing people's hearts for repentance and, and faith. So I invite you today to grab a pen and paper and and make note of, of the scriptures we're going to refer to today because it will enable you to have a, a Holy Spirit devotional in the days ahead. Because if we don't prioritise the Spirit, then the church will not flourish as God intended. You know, at Open Baptist Church, we encourage each other to read through the Bible from cover to cover. And we encourage people to do that for many reasons. 
It helps us get the whole sweep of God's history. It helps us see that, that ultimately rebellion and faithfulness have been with us through every generation since the fall. It, it helps us and it forces us to read about the whole character of God so that we don't paint uh, in our minds a one-dimensional picture of God or a one-dimensional picture of humanity that is either too harsh or too liberal. It helps us to get more than a one-dimensional picture of God. But we also encourage reading the Bible cover to cover because it lets us see the projected promises of God. He says he's going to do something and then at the perfect time he brings it into being. Great example of that is Romans chapter 5 verse 6. It tells us that at the perfect time, whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That God has got a perfect time for things that he projects ahead and then at the perfect time he brings it into reality. So that means logically that there must be evidence of the promise in the Old Testament that we find fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And of course, we do find that promise projected. If you were to turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, we touched on that last week, you would hear that voice of the promise that is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Uh, of course, 31 is, is unfolding the picture that is not in its fulfilment yet, but we're living out that fulfilment today. Then you've got Ezekiel chapter 11, 36 and 37. Three chapters in Ezekiel that point towards the promise. The promise that is seen unfolding in Acts chapter 2. You've also got Isaiah 44. And Joel 2. Now these are just some examples that we could touch on that point from the Old Testament forward to the promise that we are seeing unfolding in Acts chapter 2. Then there's the voice of the New Testament, the voice that is pre-Pentecost. And that includes the voice of Christ during his ministry, all affirming the promises of the Old Testament. We're going to camp here for a minute and look at some of these. Just take our time uh, to look at what the scriptures tell us uh, in the New Testament, but pre-Pentecost of what we see in Acts chapter 2. So let's look at John chapter 3 verse 5. John chapter 3 verse 5. This lays out the Spirit's role in a person being born again to new life. The Spirit's role in a person being born again to new life. John chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this Spirit's role in a person being born again to new life, and without that, that person, no one can enter the kingdom of God. That speaks again to our, our uh, word that I brought uh, last year during the lockdown, on the want and the need of the gospel in our lives. You might want Jesus, but we have to understand that we also need Jesus. We need him in our lives. 
in order for us to be transformed, born again to new life. We're going to look at John chapter 16 shortly uh, in more depth, and that will uh, unpack that dynamic as well. Let's turn then to Romans chapter 8. So that was the that was the being born again dynamic, the Spirit's role in that. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 together. The word of God says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. So here we have the the Spirit's role in, in sanctifying sinners, in transforming and maturing believers. Let's look at another one. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 26. Uh, And this is a similar voice that we see in John chapter 16, verse 13. But let's turn to John 14 and verse 26. It says here in verse 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, And remind you of everything I have told you. So he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. That's Jesus speaking there to his disciples. That reminds us of the Holy Spirit's role in teaching and confirming and affirming the truth of God. And also the teachings and words of Christ. So what we begin to see as we unpack these, we're going to look at some more, but as we unpack these different dynamics of the Spirit, we see that there's more going on with the Spirit than just what happens on Pentecost in the upper room. Let's keep going. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. We know this so well, don't we? Galatians chapter 5, you probably can just begin to speak these words out before I even read them. What does it tell us about the role of the Spirit? Well, it tells us here the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So it tells us here that the Spirit has a role in enabling believers to live in supernatural Christ-likeness. Now, that isn't to say that anyone beyond the body of Christ um, Uh, cannot be loving, joyful, uh, full of peace, um, or or living in a degree of peace, uh, being patient, kind, uh, good, faithful, gentle, and have self-control, because these are in part dynamics of, uh, of, of humanity that just comes because we're all made in the image of God, but there's something about the Spirit filling and enabling believers to live them to a different dynamic, a different degree. Then let's look at Acts chapter 1. This is just before the Pentecost moment, of course. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. It says here, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here we have the Spirit's role in enabling believers to live out the supernatural gospel witness. 
So we've had the Spirit's role in a person being born again to new life, the Spirit's role in sanctifying sinners and transforming and maturing believers. We've got the Spirit's role in teaching and confirming and affirming the truth of God and the words of Christ. We've got the Spirit's role in enabling believers to live in supernatural Christ-likeness. And the Spirit's role in enabling believers to live out the supernatural gospel witness. And then let's look at, finally, at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a beautiful chapter, a really lovely chapter that just, again, speaks to this new life by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through to 16. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. And then it talks, of course, we've touched on a little bit of it already, but talks about, so then we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but there's that call to live according to the Spirit. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, verse 16. So what we see in this is the Spirit's role in A, raising Christ from the dead, and B, raising believers as well. Raising believers as well. The purpose and work of the Spirit is more than what happened in the upper room. It's more than perhaps we have realised in our own journey of faith. But it's also important to emphasise that the purpose and work of the Spirit is already evidenced around us. He's already working within us and around us. Now, even though we long for more, and I'm sure... Many of us would say, yeah, we do long for more. I think it's important that we acknowledge, we stand and we honour him for what he's already done in our lives and what he is currently doing in our lives and in our church. So with that, let's turn to the main portion of the word that we're going to read today, John chapter 15 right through to John chapter 16, verse 14. We're going to just let these words speak to us today. And as we read, I want to encourage us just to recognise what we've just been discussing, what we've been considering, all those dynamics of the activity of the Spirit, of why God determined that the Spirit must come and fill and indwell his church. So, John 15, verse 26, through to John 16, verse 14. Jesus says, When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. 
I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counsellor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is what I told you, that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. In a little while, you will see me no longer. Again, in a little while, you will see me. And that speaks into the next portion, which is about sorrow that is turned into joy. I love how these verses lay out not just the purpose of the Spirit, but also the character of the Spirit. When we think about Pentecost, perhaps the first description of the Spirit isn't what Jesus calls him in in John chapter 14 through to what we've just read in John chapter 16. We get caught up in the power and the excitement of Pentecost, but do we consider him to be the counsellor? And in John chapter 14, Jesus emphasises this. Your translation might say counsellor, it might say helper. And, and we can also translate or unpack this dynamic to comforter. And when we stop and consider why the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and when we strip back all the drama and the excitement of the upper room, we actually naturally settle on the Holy Spirit as the counsellor, the helper, the comforter. Yes, he, he's the manifest power of God. Yes, he's the convictor of hearts by revealing sin. Yes, he's the enabler of the church to Christ-like living and to, to witness but at the very heart of it, he is counsellor, helper, comforter. He's, he's the comforter because he points every human heart back to the Father. In the upper room, when he empowers the 120, what does he do? He, he puts words in their mouths. And what do those words do? They're words that point back to the Father. And to what end? That the people in the room, in the moment, have their faith confirmed and affirmed. That they're encouraged and built up by this 
powerful moment with the Spirit. But, but more than that, we said that the Holy Spirit comes to teach, to confirm and to affirm. Well, here we have in this moment, the people in the upper room are having their uh, faith confirmed and affirmed as the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. But more than that, to the people beyond that room, to those out on the street, the Holy Spirit uses the 120 to teach, to teach the people beyond the church, to teach them about the true meaning and purpose of life. The true meaning and purpose of life, and that is one which is the only true means of finding lasting comfort. You can see how he is the counsellor, helper, comforter when you think about the, the outworkings and their purpose. And what's more, he enables and empowers the 120 to speak out the gospel in such a way that the people beyond the church can understand it. They speak in languages of the people that are out on the street so that they can hear and understand. It's the multi-voiced declaration from heaven that is saying, here is the way, walk in it. It's spoken from heaven to earth by, by the God who deliberately and intentionally, lovingly created humanity so that we might Glorify him, yes, magnify him, yes, and enjoy him now and for eternity. So when you consider the work of the Spirit in your own life, where do you see him at work? Maybe you see him in, in the power. Maybe you see him in, in the, the gifts and, and the fruit. Maybe you see him in the promises I've laid out in the Old and New Testaments. Or maybe today you're actually struggling to see him at, at work in any real or tangible way in your own life or in the church that you connect with. Maybe you, you sensed him once, you felt like you knew him once, but that sense has dulled. You feel like it's gone somewhat cold, but deep down you long to know him more. Maybe even know him once more. When the 120 met in that upper room, I'm so struck by the reality that they didn't know what the future held. They knew that it was going to be complicated. They knew it was going to have its moments of, of victory and its moments of trial. But they didn't have the full picture. And yet they, they met together, they gathered in one place, and they were all willing to enter into a commitment with each other and with heaven. That's how we can see corporate prayer, when it's really and truly at work. It's entering into a commitment with each other and with heaven. They stepped into, to, to draw on last week's uh, phraseology again, they stepped into a willing partnership with each other and with God. What we see with that is that they were in a very special kind of unity. We know that, that Acts chapter 2 
says that they were all together in one accord, or in unity, depending on how your translation wants to phrase that. In a sense, I see that as them in, in, in one voice saying, not my will, but yours be done, God. It's that, it's that determination to lay down self and take up God. It's like they're saying, I don't know what's ahead, but I'm not going a step further without you, God. Without your promise, God. Without your enabling and your empowering, God. What I love as well about this upper room moment is it didn't matter who they were in terms of where they had come from in the past. What mattered is that all they wanted was God's personal intimate involvement in their lives and importantly they were wanting it on on his terms they wanted it according to his will there's a challenge for us when we think about going before the throne of heaven is it is it according to his terms and according to his will I think that it's important for us to emphasise that because I think the people in the upper room understood that his will brings his kingdom. His will brings his kingdom and and ultimately the world is lost without his kingdom. What happens next? As they pray, the spirit falls and they're never the same again. There's an invitation in in Acts 2 and it's a timeless invitation that's given to every subsequent generation. It's an invitation to come, to rest, to pray and to submit to the will of God. And when we do that, how does God respond? Well, he comes. He comes. Maybe you're like me today and you want more of the Spirit in your own life. You want more of the Spirit in your household, in your family. You want more of the Spirit in your church. Let's come. Let's rest. Let's pray. And let's submit to the will of God. And then let's receive him as he comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word which reveals to us the heart of the Spirit, the purpose of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit. And Father, we welcome your truth in our lives today. We don't want to just be a people that read what happened in these moments, but rather to live these moments so help us God help us to understand more fully how that can be in Jesus mighty name